0: to the championship edition of the boiler upload podcast brought to you as always by the threads of history with martin vintage great vintage purdue apparel both for school and sports and we're also brought to you by reindeer shuttle because driving to the airport sucks doesn't it jace you went to the airport when you went to the bowl game what was the worst part driving to the airport and parking or watching purdue get beat 63 to 7
1: it was equally as bad, and that's saying a lot <laughs> for, for that for that little trip. Once I was on the plane, it was nice get to get to be down in Florida for a week in in the middle of December and January. I can't complain. I'm very lucky to do what I do, but yeah, um, always take reindeer shuttle. Uh, it's a it's a win win. That's right. Reindeer shuttle will take you to the airport from Lafayette, and
0: multiple airports. That is, they'll take you to O'Hare, or they'll take you to uh indianapolis international airport if you need to go to midway well you might need to take the l but that will at least get you to chicago <laughs> for that so <laughs> with that out of the way we are here and ready to go uh, jace thank you for being my dramatic foil on our ad read how you doing this week
1: i'm doing well travis how are you
0: i am good and we also have fresh from the celebration at Mackey arena today casey bartley how you doing casey
2: i'm doing just fine awesome i'm low energy today that's what we're We're gonna we're gonna pop open some caffeine real quick oh
0: there you
2: go i was gonna (laughs) say shout out to matthew myers this is a coke zero it's not a not full throttle monster (laughs) he plays like someone that drinks way too much monster one of ten from three today
0: yeah he threw up some wild ones, but we'll get to basketball here in a bit. Uh I think we could start off tonight. It was a big junior day weekend for football recruiting. We got a commit with uh Jordan King. Uh how the how the weekend go and what have you heard, Jace?
1: It was phenomenal. And I know I've only been on the beat for for a little while here, but um and I haven't had a chance to look back to all the years and years that Purdue's been doing junior days, but it has to be up there with maybe the most kids that they've ever had on campus at one time. They had nearly 50 guys. Um, I know a big part of that was Kenwood Academy and then um, Coach Swain from from East St. Louis. They each brought up like six, seven kids on their own um, to go along with some of the guys that they brought. But a huge weekend. Um, And then obviously Purdue got something good out of it, like you mentioned, with the the commitment of um, Jordan King. Yeah, Jordan King.
0: Who, if uh, you're out there and you're a big fan of Indiana ba- high school basketball, looking for something this weekend, you'll actually get to see him face off against Floria Badunga this coming weekend at Logan Sport in the sectional. As he's a member of Fort Wayne North basketball team too.
1: Him and another Purdue target, Bronte Johnson. Who I don't know. I don't know the numbers off off the top of my head, but he's been killing. He had a 50 point game a few weeks ago. You might Coach Painter might have to bring him in. Um, not not like that little uh, Malik Carr situation, but um, you never uh,
0: know. Painter's had some interesting uh, interesting chances for that in the past because I know he had, could have had one Short, who was a high school teammate of each one more. Uh, I know, obviously, he had Patrick Beatty went the other way. Uh, but, yeah, it's I always like getting these guys that are two, three-sport athletes because they show that versatility.
2: Patrick Beatty was a half-sport athlete. I'm just when a when a guy who played D1 walks into the co rec and no one is scared, which I can tell you is the exact uh, reaction at, at the co rec when Patrick Beatty walks on. You, you're not a basketball player, <laughs> the disrespect. I don't know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's probably not listening, but if he did, he would be pissed.
2: Full disclosure. In my prime, he could not beat me in basketball. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. <laughs>
0: wow, I did not expect Patrick Baby to be catching strays out of here. Oh my, it. anyway.
1: Travion Williams and, and I, I believe it was Eric Hunter Jr., they both came in when I was a freshman at Purdue in the co rec. They dunked on us for like 10 minutes before they ended up getting kicked out.
2: Oh, I beat Travion Williams back to back games, put buckets on him, but I think. <laughs> 12 and 13 back-to-back games. I am he old did dunk enough on my that, head, though.
0: I am old enough that my freshman year, I got in a pickup game with Brian Cardinal. Gave okay. him a nice assist. Gave him a nice assist. He was on my team. We ran well. So <laughs> that that is the highlight of my entire basketball career. But anyway, we were talking football recruiting, and uh, obviously the commitment of Jordan King. What can you say about him? Uh, I know he's an offensive lineman, looks Mm -hmm. like he's got a big body. Uh, Is he somebody that might be able to come in and contribute early, or is he more of a uh, typical, okay, you've got a red shirt because you're a Big Ten offensive lineman? I
1: I think it's hard to say right now just because he's wrapped up his junior year, and we don't really know the landscape of of what that offensive line room is going to look like, but Guys like Gus Hartwig, even Mohamed Musa, Marcus Bow, um, Eric Miller, Daniel Johnson—all those guys are likely gone by the time he gets here. Um, and in recent classes, like in 2023, Purdue only had two scholarship offensive linemen come in with Isaiah Walker and Jimmy Liston, who, who both have—they both have experience past high school, but I don't know if either one of those guys are ready. Uh, to compete for a spot next year so it just kind of depends on on where that offensive line room is stacking up and obviously we'll see with the transfer portal on all that all that good stuff but yeah like you mentioned big body 6'5 310 pounds plays offensive guard but um he could also probably play offensive tackle um, but he's been asked to play guard in, at high school and um what just watching this tape he's a mauler he reminds i don't want to say he reminds me of quentin nelson but the way he finishes blocks and just drives dudes into the ground, plays through the whistle, not to the whistle. Um, It, it looks like a similar way to how Quentin Nelson kind of, kind of broke onto the scene. Uh, But yeah, it's super physical. And then obviously with every offensive lineman coming out of high school, uh, they're going to need to keep working on their, their technique and, and uh, filling out their frame and, and hitting the weight room and all that good stuff, but I mean, it's a really good pickup. He's a guy that loves Purdue. Like even before he committed, he was retweeting stuff about the basketball team being number one in the country. The other day, him and um, Bronte Johnson won sectionals. When he was cutting down the nets, he was wearing a Purdue T-shirt. So I, when I, when I saw, I already thought he was going to commit, but when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a done deal. So I mean, this kid loves Purdue, and and uh, hopefully he can contribute for him.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. And it's always it's always good to get those linemen. That's how you build so many teams. And I think that was one of the weaknesses that Jeff Brom had is he, far too often he relied on that transfer portal to get that ready made, you know, one year, two year stopgap offensive lineman. And you you can't do that. It's not sus- sustainable over time.
1: I do, I do think he's built or he did build. Um, a fairly good offensive line last year. And I think, I don't think any of them were from the transfer portal that started, um, aside from Daniel Johnson, like Eric Miller's a six year guy. Now, Musa, uh, Musa, Bo, they're both pretty recruits,
0: uh, Finau, Sione Finau.
1: Finau, yeah, he was, he was more of a, sw- like a swing guard. Um, he came in and he came in and played in the bowl game after Hartwig left. And then obviously Gus Hartwig or, uh, not Hartwig, um, Spencer Holstead left, excuse me, but Gus Hartwig was a Purdue guy. So I think he, he doesn't, he might not get the credit for it, but he did build a very good offensive line last year. Um, We'll see how that goes um, moving forward though. Cause I, I know like, like you mentioned previously, like he was kind of working up to this year being his year. And -hmm. then after, after this is kind of the talent dips off or, or what have you. So.
0: Yeah, that that's what I always thought because it seemed like the recruiting classes, even before COVID hit and everything, were building towards this twenty one, this twenty two season where everything would come together. You know, you had some four stars like a Marvin Grant in there. You had Carl Loftus who left early, Bell who mm-hmm. left early, and you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens this year uh, with Walters, but. uh who else kind of stood out over Junior Day weekend here in terms of uh, you know how the visit went?
1: I'll start with Marcos Davila, who we talked about last week. Four-star quarterback, used to be committed to TCU, and then after Garrett Riley took the OC job at Clemson, uh, he decommitted. And he already had that visit to Purdue lined up, but it just created a whole bunch of buzz and hype behind him. Um, I looked at him as a guy that could potentially commit following his visit, but um, a, f- a friend of Boiler Upload, Nick Harris, um, he's a national recruiting analyst for rivals. He had a chance to talk to Davila and and Davila's taking this thing slow. He doesn't really want to jump back into a, to a new, to a new school and, and commit too early. But, um, along with Purdue, it's Miami and Colorado. Those are the three that kind of stand out right now. Um, so he's going to take visits to Miami and Colorado. I think he's, I think he's working on those. The so last I checked, um, and then he's going to go back home, talk to his parents, all that good stuff, maybe take some official visits and then potentially commit um, sometime in like July, August, September. So um I was wrong on that one. I thought, I thought he could potentially be a guy that would commit this weekend, possibly even today, but um, it looks like that's been pushed back a little bit.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And you know, you can never have, everybody's always looking for that quarterback, but you know, Purdue's kind of in a situation right now, unfortunately, where, Whoever wins the job here is going to be a multi-year starter, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it would appear that way, unless unless Hudson Card comes out has a breakout season and heads to the NFL draft, which I think is possible. Um, Especially in Graham Harrell's offense, he could put up some numbers. um, And then
0: was that dog? He got
2: he got a coke bottle. (laughs) He was so distraught at the idea of uh, Hudson Card leading after one year. You
1: just Hey, I'm just saying it's possible.
2: That'd be a pretty good Purdue season, then.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, I wouldn't be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Brady Allen sliding right in after that, in all likelihood. But, um, yeah.
0: Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. So, I- any other final notes that you got on the junior weekend? I know uh, how many of them happen to stick around for the basketball game today? I don't know how they work those together or not.
1: I don't know the exact number. I know that they kind of put the high-priority guys later on in the weekend. Um, so I want to say around 15, 20 guys, uh, we're in, a t- maybe, maybe Casey was able to see him, but I, I can't put an exact number on it. Um, two guys that I did want to mention were Bronte Johnson, who we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, Mylon Graham, uh, two of the top guys in Indiana, they've both taken two visits to Purdue. Uh, I think Corey Patterson's really making an impact on those two guys. And, um, aside from, I forget the the kid's name but he's offensive tackle going to ohio state but outside of him those are the top two guys in indiana and cory patterson and ryan walters have been able to bring him to purdue twice already um, in 2023 so those are a couple of names to keep an eye on um and then eugene hilton jr um ty hilton Jr. or ty hilton's son um obviously former former colts wide receiver he's a going to be a junior at zionsville he was in attendance a couple four-star defensive ends Brent. Brandon Davis Swain and Marquise Lightfoot, um, Josiah Edmond, who's an athlete from Napanee. And then D'Amico Kennedy is another guy uh, to keep an eye on, in my opinion. He was high school teammates with Jamari and Harkless, uh, who's part of the 2023 recruiting class for Purdue. Um, and, and Jamari has been in his ear from what I've been told. Um, so that's that's another guy to keep an eye on. But, I mean, all in all, they had a bunch of talent, a bunch of Indiana talent, Illinois, Bring kids from all over the place. So um, it's an exciting time for for Purdue football recruiting.
0: Hilton's an interesting prospect because I saw him mm-hmm. all season this last year. And as a sophomore coming into that conference, uh, Zionsville plays in the Hoosier Crossroads Conference here in Indiana, which is probably the second best conference behind the Metropolitan Scholastic mm-hmm. one. Uh, all the teams in it are very, very good. Brownsburg, Avon. And he get, he was somebody that they had to game plan for every single game, and uh, Zionsville was just looking for creative ways to get him the football and everything else. There was at least one game where most of the Colts receivers were standing down in the end zone. Yeah. Of Ty, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's he's got some real talent. He's going to be real good. I, it's going to be fun to watch him develop over the next year and uh, be interesting to see what he does at Zionsville this coming season. Cause he also was on their basketball team too. Uh, he, uh, he didn't play a lot on varsity. I think he was mostly JV, but uh, you know, another one of those two sport guys that he can just showcases his athleticism in multiple ways. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get him, but that's, that's a ways off if he's yeah. a 2025
1: <laughs> kid. <laughs> but I mean, Purdue's getting in there early cause his only other power five offers are Kentucky and Louisville. Um, obviously Braum offered him while he was still at Purdue. Um, so Purdue's still in the, or getting it, getting established in his recruitment and, and, um, hopefully they can land him by the time 2025 rolls around. Cause he might be a top 300 prospect, uh, by the mm-hmm. time he graduates high school. I mean, he's, he's, he's a really, really good wide receiver and, uh, Purdue's getting their work in early. Yeah. He,
0: w- he was somebody that was drawing automatic double teams for much of the games. And that was, I mean, it was partly because he was a main, main cog in the Zionsville passing game, but another part of it was, uh, he just was that good. And to me, that's the ultimate respect when you're having a game plan for a sophomore and you're a Brownsburg, a Westfield, a, uh, you know, an a, well, Avon's kind of down right now, but yeah, any of the schools in that conference are pretty good and they're always competing for the state title. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to get him. <laughs> Uh, anyway, with that in mind, we can probably shift gears a little bit to talk about the 25th big 10 championship is now official. It is locked up and we did not back into it now. Thanks to two close wins this week. And, uh, Casey, what did you see? And what have you got to say about this championship caliber team?
2: It would have been nice if we could have all just, uh, stayed high on that first half. Um, (laughs) 20 point leads are fun until they wither away to nothing. Um, I think. I think the ability for Purdue to go on runs like that, especially with Edie sitting uh, on the bench with two fouls of five minutes to go in the first half, I think that's good. I think overall that's going to instill a lot of confidence. Um, I I think the big takeaway, obviously, is Brandon Newman in the starting lineup. He once again is just on ball defending. Creating offense out of it, um, just creating havoc, turnovers. I think he forced a turnover on the first three plays of the game, uh, and I I think what's what's probably even more important going forward and going into the tournament is Brandon Newman and Ethan Morton playing together, which is something we've seen more in the last couple games with him starting. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer has physically struggled towards the end of the season um, getting bullied. It doesn't quite have the size, doesn't have the strength to stick up with a lot of guys. When you bring Brandon Newman and Ethan Morton on the floor, all of a sudden you have the two best defenders for Purdue on the court. They both have a lot of size. And when you're matching that with Smith and Edie on the floor, I think that is Purdue's best lineup right now. And Newman offers enough shooting and Morton's been hitting just enough that you, you can definitely get away with it, especially if Gillis is out there. And even with first who continues to give just really good minutes as a uh, big guy in his defense, it's just invaluable at this point. So yeah. I think playing, playing more towards a defensive mindset painter told me that this week that, you know, as he plays with his rotations, it's almost always based on defense. Like he's not worried about the offense. So, the change up to going to playing Newman and Morton at the same time, especially late in games. I think you have two guys that have shown that they're capable of switching, defending, making it hard on other guards. And it worked out. Morton forced two turnovers late. Um, Newman had the early ones, obviously. And then, you know, Newman's a good enough shooter that if he can get going like he did today, he scored uh, went 19 points, led the team in scoring. So I think they're, is Purdue after that second half, like there's a little bit of the, well, they're not the same struggles that they have been showing is showing still. But at the same time, I think the ceiling is higher, especially tournament wise with Newman and Morton playing at the same time, playing well and figuring how that all works out together.
0: Yeah. And that is, you mentioned the defense there. In each of the last two games, that's one of the things that kind of stood out for Newman. I mean, he had two and scores, I think it was, against Wisconsin. He had, what, three today, and I know Morton had one. That's the difference in both games in the end. And Purdue had 10
2: steals, I believe, as a team.
0: Yeah, and, but and it's not even just the steals. It's the instant offense off of those steals that Newman and then Morton was able to do today that made a huge difference. I mean, you establish... That's what got Purdue going in the first place. And then he also had those big ones against Wisconsin on Thursday night too.
2: Yeah, it's instant offense and it's just really good momentum. And I think being able to take it to other teams defensively is something that Purdue has struggled at times. And that's certainly not something lawyer can offer you. So as he's struggling in a shooting strike, even though I will say stat line didn't make a shot whatever. He had by far the highest plus minus today. Plus, I think it was 26 in a game that was decided in the last few possessions. So lawyer out there is still a net positive for Purdue. He still moves the ball. He still moves off the ball really well, but I I think finding a better balance between him, Morton and uh, Newman playing and like mixing those up is definitely better for everyone involved.
0: Let's also, also get lawyer two big or four big free throws down the stretch too.
2: Big free throws. Um, Purdue can't survive with Brayton Smith on the floor. My fear is even more than Zach Eady getting in foul trouble is something we've seen a lot more this year, and that's Brayton Smith getting in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And if we lose that, if if Purdue loses that playmaking on the court, they are in trouble. He runs everything. He gets through presses. He creates looks, he gets to the rim. He had 15 in the first half, only scored one point in the second, but was great in that first half. And he just really unlocks the offense in a way that no one else even comes close to. And at times he's gotten some silly fouls, um, can get switches where he's, you know, given up almost a whole foot on the floor. So he's got to definitely – be conscious of that as he's playing because this offense really needs him to stir the drink for everyone
0: i agree i agree because there were moments there in that second half as illinois is making their comeback you could i don't know if you noticed it but it just seemed to me purdue got tighter and you see that in a lot of these games where you know things were going freewheeling things were having a lot of fun in the first half but it just it almost felt like as soon as they cut it to about 11 that's when Purdue just tightened up offensively and sure enough we only hit one field goal in the entire I think it was the last eight minutes of the game
2: I I don't think it's all on Purdue I think teams that are behind play a certain way and you see it with pretty much every game it's it's a game of runs because the desperate team really does just ramp it up and Illinois is so long everywhere that they they can create this chaos just from one through five and they all move and once uh, Dane Danger got in foul trouble, just it, it's a whole bunch of guys that are six six to six eleven that can move around. And it, Purdue definitely struggled a little bit, but most teams struggle when the other team is you know playing for their last effort. Like they had to come back, and once again, you know all all we seem to focus on is the collapse. But Purdue won the game; they came back. They got points when they needed. Edie hit a big bucket. Free throws were made. Defense stepped up. They forced a couple turnovers late. Morton had that huge uh, strip on the drive. So Purdue continues to win a lot of these close games, and they're not getting any of that credit just all to blame for blowing leads, but like, it, that is how basketball works. Teams yeah. go up big. It, it, they very rarely stay up big.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so hard to put a team away, even in Mackey. And it's almost like you got to get to that eight, about the six minute point with a 15 point lead. If you want to feel anything remotely safe in the college basketball uh, these days. And, you know, it's hard to get to that point because these teams, you know, you saw it today, Illinois doesn't shoot well. And then they hit what, like five threes in the second half. I know they had that one stretch where they were just bombing away.
2: Yeah. But the way teams can shoot threes now, like uh, leads don't mean the same as they used to. I mean, Back in the day, jumping up 23 would be the game over. But every week, every night of basketball, teams come back from that. It's not all you're talking is, you know, three or four shots swing at this point, And then all of a sudden it's a close game.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Illinois missed the front end of that uh, two free throws that they could have had where they tied it. Otherwise, Who
2: could start big making big. free throws? That would be nice. Yeah. I, As I, I'm I, writing the rap. I, it's just all one of two. One of two. One of two. One of two.
0: That, yeah, I think they missed two front end of one and ones in the second half today, too.
2: Yeah, so there, there's definitely things to tighten up, but Purdue did what it needed to. It won. It won the Big Ten 25th. Uh, Mankey had something to celebrate. It was It's good vibes in West Lafayette. The players afterwards uh, in a very good mood. Uh, Ethan Morton... Uh, <laughs> Chris Foreman had to corral players after the celebration to try to get them (laughs) into the media. Uh, Matt painter popped his head in. he's like, the player's gone yet. Nope. Okay, great. I'm going to go now. So he could be done. And then (laughs) Ethan Morton shows up on his own. He's like, I'm here early guys. Sees that we have brownies goes into the other room and grabs a couple brownies. All right. Uh, uh, Braden Smith finished the day by uh, going to pick up some brownies after leaving. So It, it, this mean this this win meant a lot. Um, Ethan Morton, he's the one who lost his starting job, and he he pretty much pulled an E.D. where he pulled the mic away after. Well, pretty was able to afford three microphones, so he didn't have to pull a microphone away like an IU. But <laughs> Whoa, that, that's but a when thing. I that. <laughs> but when Newman answered a question about stepping into the starting lineup, it was Ethan who just like jumped on said, "I just want to add in, I, I couldn't be happier." I want to see Brandon Newman play 40 minutes a game and just like the way this team has melded together really does that. That is real. And that you don't have this kind of success um, when you're not predicted to be this good, when you didn't have overwhelming amount of talent, like you don't get to this level of college basketball without buying in with each other and trusting um in everyone and it, it's just really good to see that get rewarded with a twenty fifth Big Ten title, especially after last season.
0: Oh yeah. And you know, I, I I don't buy the whole week schedule crap. I mean, the entire Big Ten was virtually dead even behind Purdue. And uh you win the league by three games. You go seven and three on the road in the conference. Yeah, I yeah, mean you, you lost twice to Indiana, but whoop de do you still win the league by three.
2: Could anyone have predicted that we'd only lose five Big Ten games at the start of the season?
0: I don't think so. Oh,
2: you know what? Actually, I was just talking to Ledman. Guess how many I predicted. 15 and 5, baby. This guy knew. This guy knew.
0: I thought we'd barely make the tournament, but this is why nobody listens to me. Actually, no. Everybody should listen to me. Please get a subscription to Boiler Upload. 100 bucks a year. We appreciate it. Anyway. (laughs) So... How do you? How are you feeling on this team going to the tournament, Have They held on to the number one seed. Do they need to do some uh, work here in Chicago next week to keep to keep it or what?
2: Um, it's. I would say there's five fairly even teams. Uh, I'd say Kansas probably separated themselves a little. Well, they've separated themselves by just having a barrage of quad one wins. Just oh, yeah, a, a ton of them and. Unless they lose, they lost the last game of the season, but it was a road game. Unless they lose early in the Big 12, and it's still not going to be a bad loss because everyone on the Big 12 is decent. It's hard to imagine them definitely falling off the, the one seed altogether. They're probably going to be the preferred regardless. Houston's a tricky case just because their resume is not there with wins. They don't play good teams, There's none, but there's nothing you can do. They only have two losses. Does a loss in the tournament knock them down? Maybe. But they've also been up at the top on computers and rankings all season. UCLA is right there with Purdue. They had a big win against Arizona. That's that's the one that Purdue probably wishes, like, ah, they could have lost that. Purdue slides in as the third or fourth one. So it, it definitely could be a race between UCLA and Purdue and who does better in their conference tournament. So an early UCLA exit mixed with Purdue getting to the championship, I'd say would probably lock in a number one seed. Um, who's the other team that I am forgetting? Alabama, Alabama, Alabama has struggled late. Um, you generally, I don't associate anything with the NCC NCAA as a, um, a moral guideline. Um, or people that are out to do good in the world. So whatever you want to think about the Alabama program right now, I wouldn't expect the selection committee to make a statement towards, you know, off court stuff with Alabama, but they've also struggled towards the end of the season. If they don't win the SEC, I would say their resume is comparable to Purdue and probably a little worse. Um, SEC is a little down and the big wins are comparable. But Purdue probably slightly out edges them. So I think, definitely Purdue is not falling below the first or second two seed,
0: mm-hmm.
2: regardless of outcome. And if they get to the championship game and or when I would think they're still heavily in play for the four seed and it'll come down to Purdue, Alabama and UCLA and who has a good tournament or not. Cause it's really hard to parse those three teams. I don't, I don't think UCLA's um, resume is very good. Pac-12 is down. They don't have a ton of really good wins, but they have momentum going in late to the season. How much is the tournament going to value that?
0: Uh, I've got the profiles up here, and if you're looking at quad one, UCLA is eight and four. Uh, Their best non-conference wins are at Maryland. They won by 27. Uh, They beat Kentucky on a neutral floor. They did lose to the same Illinois team Purdue just beat, but that Mm -hmm. was on a neutral floor. Um, Alabama is nine and five. They've got the advantage of they did beat Houston at Houston, so that helps them uh, Beat Marquette. They lost to Gonzaga, and obviously Purdue beat Gonzaga. <laughs> and Purdue has that win over Marquette as well, which that is looking like a phenomenal win right now, even though it was almost four months ago. So I tend to agree with you they're they're very, very close. What's interesting to me is that nine and four quad one Mark. If you go into the actual team sheet, it's extremely close to becoming nine or becoming 10, 11, 12 wins. If Michigan state moves up one spot, then you've got a 10th tenth one tenth win because the home win moves onto quad one. Uh, Iowa was at 33 going into today, and uh, unfortunately, they're not going to move up after losing to Nebraska. <laughs> and then uh, Illinois is at 34, and then you've got Wisconsin at 78. Wisconsin beats Minnesota today. Is that enough to get them into 75 and move that road win up? Mm, I don't know, but uh, and then Nebraska at 94, they've got a shot there that if they were to somehow get in the, you know, if they stay hot, they win a couple Big Ten tournament games. After winning at Iowa today, maybe they crack that top 75 and that moves that win up. So Purdue's got a lot of those wins that are just on the edge. And I think that's something to consider here too, where their total is not going to be a static nine as of right now.
2: Yeah, I think it's for Purdue it's a lot narrative when you lose, you know, five, five out of seven. It it especially this late in the season. Four out of, or four out of six, sorry. Mm-hmm. When you lose that many that late. Um, it does kind of creep into the. Ee, they're kind of collapsing, but if you go just by Ken Palm, their worst loss is fifty-one to Northwestern, which is about what Alabama's worst loss is, which is fifty to Oklahoma. Road losses, they're fine. Purdue. I all of a sudden the Gonzaga wins looking pretty good again. Marquette wins looking good. West Virginia's looking good. I. I have to imagine that neutral floor wins are going to carry quite a bit of weight because if you're if you're selecting for a neutral floor a tournament, uh, I, I would think those wins might help boost Purdue's case. But yeah, it's it, it's not a bad spot to be in. Purdue will either be a one seed or probably get their preferred path as a two seed.
0: Yeah, because the two seed would be uh, most likely Columbus and Louisville. That's almost that's almost better. Honestly, (laughs) I'm torn between wanting that number one seed.
2: But you take the one seed.
0: Yeah, you take the one seed and go to New York or you like two seed in Louisville.
2: Also, NCAA tournament in New York City sounds incredible. I will enjoy myself very thoroughly.
0: It's the world's most overrated arena.
2: Ledman warned me that you were going to say this, and I'm still not prepared. Can we mu- can, can we mute your mic? What?
0: Ooh, the Knicks won a title half a century ago. Oh, That's it's not what it's arena.
2: about. Oh,
0: man, it, it's the the Knicks are the Timberwolves with a better address. That's all. The, the Knicks are.
2: aren't going to be playing in the tournament. Purdue is.
0: Garden sucks. Purdue is.
2: Purdue is on Madison Square Garden.
0: Madison Square Garden sucks. My God, cancel this man! It's terrible. Cancel. <laughs> well, at least it didn't say the Barclay Center's better or something.
2: New York City. I, I. I can't. I. I. I would be thrilled. I New I've been York to the City Center. in spring,
0: baby. I've been to the Barclay Center. It's. It is. There's no character to it. It, it lacks character. I hate it. <laughs> I, and now that I've discussed, discussed Casey, I think we can yes. start to wrap this up. Uh, Jace, do you have any final thoughts here? Uh as we get into a light week. We only have to wait till Friday for a game
1: now. I'm surprised you guys didn't bring this up, but Coach Katie was in attendance. Uh, oh, yeah. Play, and I saw this on... I saw this on Twitter. I apologize I don't have it the tweet pulled up right now, but someone mentioned the uh when when Villanova won and their their old coach was was sitting in the stands. That's what I picture every March for Purdue and and I hope that one day Coach Katie can be sitting sitting front row and watch Purdue uh cut down the nets.
0: I just want I want them to make a final four before we lose him. I really do. It's and especially since he was so humble about wanting to, wanting Painter to get there, it's like, no, Gene deserves to see this program reach a Final Four, and it, it needs to happen soon.
2: Ethan Morton said in the press conference after the game today, he doesn't know if there is a coach alive who deserves to be in a Final Four more than Matt Painter. And if there is, it's probably Gene Katie watching, so <laughs> knock both of them out with one stone.
0: Oh, Absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that in mind, I think we can uh, wrap this up. Uh, I know we'll have a lot of stuff this week. We're going to have a uh, Rivals All-Big Ten team that will be dropping either Monday or Tuesday. All kinds of other good stuff. Casey will be live in Chicago. Going to see what I can do for more recruiting stuff for high schools as we're in the high school tournament. So we're going to be busy and providing you all kinds of content. So... For Casey and for Jace, I am
2: Travis Miller of Boiler Upload and Boiler Up.